Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Welcome, everyone. We're finishing up the first four chapters of the Science of Mind textbook. Let me give you the 30-second recap. Week one, God is all there is. No exceptions. Week two, that means you. No exceptions. Week three, God responds to our thinking. Always. So it leads us to today where we're going to talk about how we use it how we put the first three weeks into action. And I want to start uh, with uh, something a little different. As you know, I'm a huge fan of Martin Luther King Jr. And uh, throughout this month, I've been using quotes from some of his sermons. We all know him as the great orator, the, the civil rights leader, but not many of us actually had the benefit of being in one of his churches and hearing a sermon. And so I've been doing some excerpts from some of his sermons. This one was one of his, uh, the sermons later in his life in 1965. And at this point in his career, he was actually well known. I mean, on so many levels, he was well known. And this is him guest speaking in a synagogue. So this is from Temple Israel in Hollywood, uh, February 26, 1965. Dr. King said, each of us lives in two realms, the within and the without. The within of our lives is somehow found in the realms of our true ends, and the without, the realm of accidental means. The within of our lives, that realm of spiritual ends, we often express in art, literature, morals, and religion. For this is where we live at our best. The without of our lives is that realm of instrumentalities, the techniques, the mechanisms by which we live. Now the great temptation of life and the great tragedy of life is that so often we allow the without of our lives to absorb the within. The great tragedy of life is that too often we allow the means by which we live to outdistance, to even dictate the ends for which we live. And how much of our modern life can be summarized in the arresting dictum of the poet Thoreau, improved means to an unimproved end. We have perhaps allowed our civilization to outrun our culture. We have allowed our technology to outdistance our theology. And for this reason, we find ourselves caught up in many problems. Through our scientific genius, we have made of the world a neighborhood. But we have failed in our, in our basic commitment to make out of it a brotherhood. And so we've ended up with guided missiles and misguided people. The great practical challenge is to move out of the mountain of materialism and move to another and a higher mountain, which recognizes somehow that we must live by and live towards the basic truth of our own lives. We must move on to that mountain which says in substance, what doth a man profit to gain the whole world of means of airplanes, televisions, electric lights, and lose in the end our very nature. So how do we make good use 
of this thing we learned about last week called the law. You know, so often I think we're tempted to look around us and just see how we can improve on what we've already got. Well, well, the trouble with this is, is when we look around us, we see the creation of our already perhaps impaired thinking. <laughs> Do you know what impaired thinking is? I don't have to look very far other than just what's going on in my head. And the, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm owning up to it because nearly every day I will catch myself thinking the darndest things that are of no use to me whatsoever. And in fact, I will tell you, worse than no use Because some of those voices from the past that I hear in my head talk of limitation, they talk of lack, it talks of poverty, it talks about not being educated enough or or good looking enough, It, it talks about all kinds of utter nonsense. And were I to build on that, I would probably get more of it. I might get some incremental improvements. Don't get me wrong. We can incrementally improve improve our lives by looking at them and going, well, yeah, I should move the furniture around a little over here, or, or maybe I could do something a little different with, with that. But it's ignoring the basic inner world, that inner idea that we are here for a purpose, and we best get on with it. So last year, when we talked about how to use it, I did a very tool-based kind of explanation. I talked literally about the tools we can use that help us use God, if you will, to help us move forward in changing our thinking. So I talked about meditation, and I talked about prayer. I talked about visioning. I talked about taking glances. I talked about tithing. I talked about a whole I mean, way more than you probably could probably absorb. I talked about tools. And you know what? Without a good purpose and a good plan, they're really not all that worthwhile. Today, I want to talk about the purpose and the plan. First of all, within you is a purpose. Many of you have an inkling of it, some not, but within you is an absolutely divine purpose for being on the planet. Sometimes it's very simple. Sometimes it's just to express love to the highest and best that we can manage. Some of you have maybe a more specific purpose to, to bring joy and peace to children or to, or, or to educate the world about something that's going on, something that needs to happen. Many of you might consider yourself healers in this audience and your, your gift is to, to help bring about a, a revelation of great wholeness and health on the planet. Some of you know what these things are, but I would suggest that all of us have burning in our hearts something that is to be expressed, something that can be more graciously expressed, and also perhaps something that is a little bit hidden, or something that was put away a long time ago that is time to be brought out into the light and into the power of goodness today. Now, how do we do this? First of all, we have to know what it is. And I want to ask you today to stand for something. Because I do believe that all the tools we can use, all the efforts we can put into something, if we're not clear about what the thing is, if we're not clear about what it is we want to do, how we want to show up, then it kind of doesn't matter. We're going to get the sort of potluck effect. Do you know what I mean? We can use the tools, but if our intentions aren't clear, if our intentions aren't unified, sometimes the tools will bring us love and joy, and sometimes the tools will bring us anger and, and you know, an unhappy soul. And we're still using the tools, right? 
we'll just get better at, at, at meditating on anger if we're not careful. <laughs> get to see more of that in our lives. Honestly, we could do that. I have known people to do that. So the place to start is, how do you want to be different? Now, maybe before that, you want to look back about how you want life to be different. So that, maybe that's even the better place to start. How do you want your personal life to be different? Do you want it to be more luxurious? Uh, luxurious? Do you want it to be um, happier? Do you want it to be more joyous? Do you want to feel more fulfilled with love and partnership with friends and family? What is it that you could see a change in your life? And then, because of what we learned last week, we know that this is an inside job. So if we want to see more love, we start inwardly. We become more love. We begin thinking of ways to be more loving and more lovable. If we want to see more luxury in our lives, then we have to become luxury. We have to have luxurious thoughts. We have to do that inside work necessary so that we can experience the luxury when it comes our way. And it will come our way when we make those interior adjustments, when our thoughts are aimed towards excess and and luxury and joy and peace, then our lives will be organized that way. So I want to ask you on this day, what are you willing to make a change in? How are you willing to become something different in order to experience something different? And that's where we start. We start by saying, I want my life to be different, and I know that that means I'm going to become different. Now, here's the troublesome piece, I think, because so often we want our lives to be different, and we don't want to do a damn thing different. (laughs) I'm used to being what I am. I'm used to doing what I do. I have my routine, and it includes my thinking. It includes uh, how I get to work. It includes every piece of what I am, and I'm used to it, and it's comfortable, and dare I give it up? Dare I take a chance on changing that routine so that life can get better? Gosh, I hope you're saying yes right now. Because if you're not saying yes right now, then you're going to get more of the same. Now, it may be a comfortable sameness, right? It may be an okay sameness. But if we want to blossom, if we want to become our highest potential, if we want to experience joy and happiness at a new level... If we want any of those things, we're going to have to give up one thing, and it's the same old, same old. We have to be willing to try something new. We have to be willing to become something new. And once I think we have made that commitment, then the tools are going to fall into place a little bit. And in fact, rather than talking about those tools, I'm going to talk about coming up with a plan, because I think the plan in this case, is more important. So let us say, for instance, you want to experience love at a higher degree in your life than ever before in 2014. How do you do this? Well, we know it means we have to become more love. We have to learn how to be more lovable and more loving. We start inwardly. And you know what? I would suggest we do it like we'd embark upon any plan. Where do we start? Maybe with good old brainstorming. What are a hundred things that I could do and think that are about love and loving and lovable. And in fact, maybe there's even the place we start. What are the words even that go with love? How do I become more loving? 
how do I interact with people in a more living way? I mean, it, you can think of it like putting a business plan together, right? How do we brainstorm on this product that we're going to call Lovable Larry? How do we, how do we, well, you know, I'm going to use me as an example. How do we make Lovable Larry irresistible? And I would say, apply this same logic to your own life, right? Let's say you want to experience uh, more of life's riches, right? Well, then how does rich Larry become irresistible to the goodness on the planet? Do you know what I mean? And we brainstorm around it. We come up with 100 ways. We come up with 200 ways. We begin filling our mind with all kinds of good. We recognize that the thoughts we have that lift us up, that are achieving this goal, are sending us forward in an ever more powerful way. And we use that ability, if you will even, of, of circular and momentum to think more things, feel more things, think more things, feel more things to rise us up out of our same old, same old. How do we do this, however, if our life is already filled with things that don't match? Do you know what I mean? It's, if you want to think about planting a garden, it's a little hard to envision a beautiful flower garden when right now it's full of weeds. And I want to suggest that the first place to start is actually to do a little preparation, a little weed hunting down. First of all, what's going on in your mind that would keep you from experiencing what you want to experience? If you want to experience love, what are the thoughts you're having right today that are things unlike love? When you looked through the newspaper or maybe heard a news program today, were you filled with love or were you thinking, that gosh darn government in Washington, shame on them. That doesn't sound like love. When your children came home from school last week with a report card and although there were some good marks, there were some needs improvements as well, were you filled with love or were you a little impatient? Do you see, it's not just the prayers that we do in the morning. A lot of people come to me and they'll say, you know, this darn thing just isn't working very well. I like this science of mind idea and all. I think it's a great idea. But you know, I've been doing this great prayer every week or every day or whatever, and it's just not panning out for me. I haven't got the new job. And I'll say, well, tell me what the prayer is. And so they'll, they'll kind of give me their prayer, and it does sound nice. And then I'll say, and what are you thinking the rest of the day? And they'll say, well, what do you mean? And I'll say, well, the trouble with this is you say a prayer of love and joy in the morning and then you're off to work and you're all grouchy all day. Literally, hour by hour and minute by minute, you're doing more praying while you're at work and it's not adding up to the same story. You're thinking your supervisor's sneaky and you're, you're, you know, you're saying rotten things to other coworkers and you're comparing the misery of modern living and all the things that sound not like love at all. It's like, yeah, you did a beautiful prayer at 8 a.m. and then from 9 to 5, it's like, oh my God. 
We have to be willing to weed that garden. We have to be willing when a coworker at work says, oh my gosh, did you hear what's going on? Do you hear the nightmare they have planned for us? Why a new boss is coming on and a new compensation program. And, and it's just, and you have to be willing to say something like, uh, you know what? I think I'm going to take my break at my desk today. Because <laughs> you are willing to not participate in the negativity. You have to be willing to do things like that. The other thing with regards to preparing the soil and beyond the the clearing of the land and getting rid of the the old negativity is back to that brainstorming around ideas. You want to pick out the finest seeds for your garden that you can. And it goes beyond just that initial prayer. I mean, your initial prayer may be just to have peace in your home or something very simple. But there are a thousand, 10,000 ideas of what peace is like. Start collecting the best of those ideas and plant them in your garden. Begin having affirmations. Begin filling your mind with ideas and concepts of pictures and music that all are in alignment with what you want to experience. You know, someone the other day to me, it was interesting, uh, we were talking a little bit about uh, uh, her wanting to experience more love in her life, and I noticed she was listening to rap music. And although I'm no particular judge of music, I said, is it difficult to find rap music that is really evocative of love and life? Because, you know, certainly when I'm parked at a stop sign and I hear the rap music from coming from other people's cars, often it doesn't sound that loving. And so I'm, I'm willing, I'm totally, you know, don't get me wrong, I mean, you know, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch had their joyous rap too, but I said, you need to be careful with this, right? It's like even the taste in our music. Another person was wondering why they didn't have a partner. And then I heard they were listening all the time to Bonnie Raitt. And I was going, well, I love Bonnie Raitt, but that's what I listen to when I want to be sad. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's like even in the musical taste or the TV programs or the news channels we watch, all of it needs to be affirming the ideas that we want to have in our life. The last thing that I want to talk about with this idea of gardening, if you will, is the care and maintenance. Each of our gardens deserves a little water. Each of our gardens deserves the nutrients to keep these ideas alive. And so it's not enough just to have the good ideas. It's not enough just to clear out the things that stand in the way. We also need to take actions. And here's where some of those tools that I was talking about really can come into play. If you understand that your life is to experience more joy, to let go of the troublesome, and for once in your life really feel like what it is to be a joyous kid again, if that's your purpose for 2014, then what steps are you taking Because part of it's in mind, and part of it is that we begin taking the gentle walk towards the thing that we want to experience. It's it's thoughtful, and it's also action-based. So are we getting out of our homes? Are we getting out of our same old routine and actually doing some things and participating with the universe in ways that hold up and nurture and and even amplify that which we want to see in the world? 
Um, if, if you're all about love, I suggest you can't do that that easily in your apartment all by yourself. I mean, self-love is a good thing, don't get me wrong. In fact, it probably needs to start there. But if we're about loving relationships, we need to be out with people, even though they're complicated. (laughs) You know, the good news is there's a few million of us to practice with. (laughs) So we need to be willing to take some steps forward, to not just leave it in our head, but also be action-oriented. All right, so we're leading up to my joke for today. You wondered when the joke was going to come in, and this one is tending the garden. A very old gentleman lived alone in the country. It was spring, and he wanted to dig his tomato garden, as he'd done every year all his life, but the ground was so very hard. His only son, Vincent, who used to help him, was currently in jail, accused of holding up a jewelry store. The man wrote a letter to his son, Dear Vincent, I'm feeling pretty bad because it looks like I won't be able to plant my garden this year. I'm just getting too old, too tired. If only you were here to help me, my troubles would be over. But I know that you would be here if you could. Love, Dad. A few days later, he received a return letter. Dear Dad, under no circumstances, dig up that garden. I'll explain more if and when I get out of jail. For... 4 a.m. the next morning, FBI agents and local police arrived at the old man's house, dug up the entire area. However, they didn't find any jewelry. They apologized to the old man and left. Same day, a post from the sun. Dear Dad, go ahead and plant the tomatoes now. This was the best I could do under the circumstances. Now the truth is, the truth is, whether we know it or not, we're planting a garden. Whether we're going to do it purposefully or whether we're going to do it haphazardly, we are planting the garden of our own thoughts and therefore our own lives. We can depend on the kindness of strangers. Or we can take ownership of it. But I do want to share with you quickly the three reasons why people often fail in this endeavor. You know, there are people, people who've been in science of mind for many years and still feel that there's something not quite right with this process. Something that isn't allowing them to really manifest their heart's desire to really to have the love they want or the, uh, or the joy they want to experience. And I want to go over these really quickly. The first one is they don't believe they deserve it. The thing that will keep 90% of the people on the planet who feel that they fail from achieving their goals is because in their heart of hearts, there's a little voice or a little belief that they do not deserve it. Now, I can guess where this starts. I had parents, too. (laughs) And I still remember the day I came home. I was so proud from art class. And I showed my mother this composition that I did from art class. And she looked at it, and she said, oh, my. (laughs) And I could see, I mean, she didn't even, although she did say a few words, which weren't that helpful, uh, she wouldn't have needed to say a word because I could see it in her face. Larry, you're never going to be a decent artist. 
How many of us in this room have suffered at the hands of people that we even love, people telling us we're not smart enough, we're not talented enough, we're not joyous enough, we're not pretty enough, we're not well-educated enough, we were born on the wrong side of the tracks. Well, Larry, you were born in a trailer. What do you expect? Right? Right? And as long as these voices, as long as these beliefs are in our head that we're, we're not what we need to be or that we're not good enough, I got to tell you, all the praying on the world is just going to sit around your tongue. It's going to sit right there <laughs> and it's not going to do any good. Because with every prayer that you give, with every, with every affirmation you give, a little part of you is saying, but probably not for me. A little part of you is saying, but I probably don't deserve this. So first on your list, if you're serious about changing your life, is finding and removing these significant weeds from your garden. They will hinder you at every turn and what's difficult about them is often they were planted by the people that you loved the most. Nonetheless, we must be vigilant. Those weeds, those beliefs, regardless in the love with which they were given, regardless in, the, in, in how long they were planted ago and how much a part of you they have been, they need to be dug up and cast aside to plant new seeds. The second reason that people are not successful in this philosophy and in this way of living is that you simply just are not sure that it will work. And if you're not sure that it will work, you're planting your own seeds of, eh, we'll kind of see. So how does it work when you say to yourself, well, we'll just kind of see how it works? Do you sense any commitment in that? Do you sense any, any vigor and any faith in it? You see, this requires some faith. It requires that motivation of moving forward. Even if it's only the faith of, well, I'm going to try it, but I'm going to give my 100%. Now, if you want a, if you want a kind of a, a, a middle way here, I think this is a good one. I mean, it's hard to have 100% faith in something when maybe it hasn't worked for you before. But would you be willing to have 100% faith to try it out? That's what I'm asking from you today. If this sounds a little airy-fairy that our thoughts become things, if a thing seems a little cerebral, you know, how can I put all my faith in this thing that, that maybe I haven't been successful at before? Well, then let us say I'm going to be 100% around it as a free trial. <laughs> you know, one of those, try this laundry detergent. If you don't like it, you don't have to use it. That's what I'm going to ask of you today because the number two reason that people do not find success in life is that they have no faith that life can be successful for them. The number three reason is simply persistence. And I'm going to use the example, uh, if you're willing, of, uh, of Thomas Edison. Now, we all know Thomas Edison created much of the electronic, much of the electrical, much of the mechanical marvels that we have today. He was the inventor of, the, of, of movies. I mean, we can thank him for creating the idea of moving pictures, of electric lights. We can thank him for the creation of storage batteries. So you get flashlights from him and anything that runs on a battery. But what you may not know 
is his methodology. This fellow had a plan. And he stuck to the plan. And the plan, in its inception for any one of his ideas, was as simple as a plan that you might have, like, I want to be more loving. His plan, for instance, for illumination was simply, I want to be able to light up the world, whether it's daylight or not, and whether people have oil. At that time, they were using candles and and oil lamps and things like that. I want dependable illumination that just comes to people's homes. That's the idea that he started with. He did brainstorming, just like we talked about. What are a thousand ways, what are 10,000 ways that I could do this? And then do you know what he did? He tried all thousand of them. While he was searching for the filament that is used in incandescent bulbs, he had over 1,200 brainstorming ideas. We could try this, we could try this, we could try this. First of all, he generated... 1,200 of them, ideas. And then at the rate of one a day, because each of his experiments took a full day to test out a filament for a light that would be long-lasting and and of a relatively white color, he would spend it... Can you imagine? We're talking about a 1,000 days to see if an idea of ours even works. So what is required here is persistence. We're perhaps not going to have our heart's desire tomorrow morning because we said an affirmation today. I guarantee you there are things floating in our heads that will try to prevent us from achieving our goal. And so it will require some persistence. And I'm here to say that you are worth it. Edison had a grand idea for illumination. I want you to have a grand idea for illumination. Each of us in this room has that gift to share. Each of us has a dream of making ourselves and the planet more powerful. Each of us in this room has a a communication, a life's mission to bring about greater love or greater joy, greater peace, the wonderment of being. Who knows, in this room there may be a great inventor or a great musician that doesn't even know it quite yet. And if, if we do nothing, the chances of us achieving those goals are pretty close to zero. I'm going to ask each person here to make a commitment today. Are you willing? Let, let's try that just a little bit. <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll state it in a more powerful way. Is each person here willing to change their lives? Is each person here willing to make a commitment to themselves? Yes. Okay. I appreciate that. Each of us and the planet are worth it. I'm going to close today with with a quote as Ernest Holmes ends this section. Here is what he says about this idea of how to use it. He says, a new light is coming into the world. We are on the borderland of a new experience. The veil between spirit and matter is so very thin. The invisible passes into visibility through our faith in it. This is in line with the evolution of the great presence, that thing itself, and nothing, nothing can hinder its presence. 
Let us pray. There is one power, one perfection, one joy, one love. There is this one thing that I call God, but, but if you know it as Allah or the divine feminine, if you know it as joy itself or the thing itself, what I know about it is that everywhere present, it is all powerful, that all goodness comes from it. And I know that means me. I know that I am the inheritor, if you will, of, of this joy, of this love, of this peace. And that as part of God, I can command, simply command my mind to tune into the infinite, to allow my own life to experience that joy, that love, that peace, that happiness, that, that whatever it is I choose to make different about myself and stick to a plan to, to weed that garden out of miserable thoughts and instead plant seeds of, of joy and peace or whatever it is I desire, I know that God responds to me. And as it is true for me, as it is true in my life, it is true for each person in this room. Each person here, as they have a plan, as they stay committed to changing their thinking and moving in alignment with these new and, and more pleasing thoughts, each person here has a piece of the garden of life itself. Each person here, filled with love, filled with joy, filled with that sweetness. The potential exists. And so on this day, I simply claim in the mind of each person here the knowledge that our dreams can be reality. And I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for the, the goodness of life as it shows up as the people in this room and beyond. Grateful in recognizing the, the potential becoming reality in all. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.